we're actually going to be in the book of Job predominantly this evening. Job is, I, I don't know why it is, but Job ends up being a, uh, a very unique person I like to study. Um, and uh, there's a lot of great things that can be said about Job, and there's some... There's many uh, unflattering things that can be said about Job. Um, And Job, kind of like Gideon this morning, Job can be um, a very relatable person. And he can also be someone that you can really look up to and and hope to and admire and hope to be like uh, facing uh, tragedy and and turmoil and whatnot. But Job in general is actually a very interesting person uh, to, to read and study. Uh, Job is argued to be before the flood itself. Um, and when you actually study the chronological time of, of all, when all of these books were written and the, the time frame in which the, the stories um, had taken place and whatnot, or not stories, excuse me, accounts had, had happened, um, Job was actually something that had taken place before Noah entered the ark job lived in a very unique time and some say job himself was a close descendant of noah himself very close in the family of noah and others say he was believed to be a nephew of abraham but of course job is treated as a historical character in the scriptures itself people actually reference Job as a historical figure. He wasn't a story tell, like a, a, a some story that you uh, would tell to children. Um, he was he was truly believed as a historical figure. In fact, when you look at Ezekiel fourteen fourteen and verse twenty, also you don't have to turn there, but it says, "Though these three men, Noah, Daniel, and Job." were in it, they should deliver but their own souls by their righteousness, saith the Lord God. Though Noah, Daniel, and Job were in it as I live, saith the Lord God, they shall deliver neither son nor daughter, they shall but deliver their own souls for their righteousness. And and of course it's not talking about they saved their own soul in a spiritual way, but they had saved their souls, they saved their bodies by living a righteous life. Because if they had not lived a righteous life, they would have they would have ended up meeting their demise early. Um, in fact, when you study Noah, when you study Daniel, when you study Job, all three of those men are actually known to face um, great uh, turmoil and impending doom while everyone tells them to give up give in and give up on God, these three men hold out. But the interesting thing is, is Job is a historical person. In fact, Paul himself quotes from the book of Job. And we see this um, in 1 Corinthians 3.19. And he actually quotes Job 5.13. It says, For the wisdom of this world is foolishness with God. For it is written, He taketh the wise in their own craftiness. And of course it says, He taketh the wise in their own craftiness. And the counsel of the froward is carried headlong. Paul himself would read Job and quote him. 
Job himself lived in a time without the written law. Job lived without the Torah. Job lived out without the, the Old and New Testament. He lived before the scriptures even existed. But it was amazing. This is actually something when I, when I really got to study Job, this is one of those things that I've, I've always wanted to emulate. And if I, if I read through Job, this, this one verse I'm going to read is a, a verse that I, I just hope that if I can be like a, a father that we find in the Bible, I want to be like Job, especially that we see in this, this verse. But the funny thing is, is Job lived without any scripture of his time, in his time, but he was a high priest of his own family. Job 1.5 says, And it was so when the days of their feasting were gone about that Job sent and sanctified them and rose up early in the morning and offered burnt offerings according to the number of them all. For Job said, It may be that my sons have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. Thus did Job continually. It's amazing. No one told Job he needs to be a high priest of his family, but he was a spiritual leader. He had, he had every reason to hold on to what he had. But the interesting thing is, as we see here, Job was leading the, the family. He was leading um, the path for, for spiritual men to rise up in their families and lead. But it was amazing because you, you look at this. He, he rose up continually every morning early. And he, no doubt he spent a lot of time. And he sacrificed a great deal for his children just in case they had cursed God in their hearts. He loved. He absolutely loved his children. Man, I, I read a lot of these fathers in the Bible. And Job was just one of those fathers that, you know what, if I could be like any dad in the, in the Bible, I hope that when the Lord gives me children, when the Lord gives us children, that I can be like Job. That'll lead, be that example. But Job, not only was he a high priest of his own family um, and lived in a time without the written law, Job was a picture of patience. Job really was a picture of patience. He appears brave in distress and valiant in affliction, maintains his virtue, and with, uh, with that his character under the most exasperating provocations that the malice of hell could invent and thereby gives a most noble example of passive fortitude a, char a character no way inferior to that of the active hero the devil himself through the best that he could i mean he didn't pull a punch and what did job do jo job <laughs> what did job do what did, did I have, been, have I been saying job this whole morning or this evening? Oh, okay. For a second there, I thought I'd been saying job. What, what, did, what did Job do when the devil did all he could to turn him around? Job would turn around and praise God. He would turn around and praise God. Even hell itself would not keep that man from doing what was right. Man, that, that right there. Good grief. But Job was also a type of Christ. He is an example of what was to come in our Messiah. 
In general, Job was a great sufferer, was emptied and humbled, but in order to his greater glory, so Christ abased himself that we might be exalted. And when the apostles, or the apostle speaks of the patience of Job, he immediately takes notice of the end um, of the end of the Lord, that is, of the Lord Jesus, as some understand it, typified by Job. And this is seen in James 5.11. Behold, we count them happy which endure. Ye have heard of the patience of Job, and have seen the end of the Lord, that the Lord is very pitiful and of tender mercy. Well, the devil threw all he could at the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Lord bore it, and he suffered, and he was patient. Job was a type, a type of Christ that was to come. But as we look at Job, we're gonna, what we're going to do is we're actually going to look at the first chapter of Job, and we're actually going to read through and kind of break it down. And this is a, a, a real simple study. It's not difficult, and, and we're not going to get too crazy. Um, in, well, I, I, of course, I say I'm not going to get too crazy. I've got a lot of references. But we're going to keep it pretty simple, and we're going to look at a few things when it comes to the, the uh, first chapter of Job. And the first thing that we're going to look at is the character of the God of man. We're going to look at the character of God of man. And the first thing that we have to notice is God's description of Job. God actually tells us what he thought of Job. be kind of interesting to hear from God. Hey, you know what, Lord, could you give me like a two-sentence description of what you think of me? Oh, I don't know. I'd, I'd be a little scared to hear that. I'd be a little scared to hear that. But the funny thing is, is God gives us a description of Job for us to glean from. And that's the very first verse of the very first chapter of Job. There was a man in the land of Uz, whose name was Job. And that man was perfect and upright, and one that feared God and eschewed evil. That's a, that's a pretty simple description of who Job was, was isn't it? it? Tells us where he's from. But he starts off by describing his character, and that was perfect and upright. He was a man that you could look through his whole life and not see him falter, not see him uh, do people wrong. And, and it's, it's amazing to think that Job lived a life that not, no man could grab a handle on and smear He's the kind of guy that wouldn't have skeletons in his closet. And he was also described to be one that feared God and eschewed evil. He feared God and eschewed evil. And the funny thing is, is when it talks about eschewing evil, I've studied that, 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 that passage and I've studied the, the aspect of his skewing evil. It wasn't that he would lock tight, hand-in-hand -hand combat with evil. What it was is he would see evil, and he would distance himself from it. He was a wise man. 
That's actually how the, the Bible describes a, a man that's wise is a man that will actually put distance, put space between him and what he knows to be foolish and evil. That would be a, against God. But how is it that God describes us? Jeremiah 1.5 says, Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee, and before thou camest forth, out of the womb I sanctified thee, and I ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. Now that was a description of Jeremiah, but God has that description where he knew you. He has an intimate relationship with us, even, even from conception. He knows us. And as we develop, he knows us and has a plan for us. There's not a single person in this world that God does not know intimately. That he does not care about and care for. 2 Corinthians chapter 5-17 to says, Therefore, if any uh, man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. We have been transformed and changed by God himself. And even in, uh, in the book of Romans, when it talks about how we are more than conquerors, there's, there's so much that the Bible actually describes us by. I mean, we, um, we were, we, uh, oh man, I can't, I'm, I'm totally struggling trying to bring up, uh, uh, some of these passages and whatnot. um, But even the fact that we should have been servants, we are called sons. We're we're part of the the family of God in that sense. There's, There's so much that we can look to when it comes to God describing us. You can't you can't read the Bible and find a single place where he uh where God describes us in a negative light. There's not a single time in the Bible that we find that. We also have to notice God's blessings on him. Verses 2 to 4. And it says, And there were born unto him seven sons and three daughters. He had a big family. That's, that's a, lot of, that's a lot, of, lot of kids. And I actually know a few families that they've got good night. And there's actually a couple of families I know that have more than 12 kids. Now, that's, that's a lot of mouths to feed. That's a lot to to be responsible for. But every single one of those families I know that has a a large family like that, never have I heard one of them complain about having children. Not a single one. Children are are a blessing. And God blessed him with, what, ten children. His substance also was 7,000 sheep and 3,000 camels and 500 uh, yoke of oxen and 500 she-asses and a very great household so that this man was the greatest of all men of the east. And his sons went and feasted in their houses every one his day and sent and called for their three sisters to eat and to drink with them. They were a well-to-do family that had so much that the Lord had blessed them with. And God has many blessings for us. Jeremiah 29.11 actually says, For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. 
The same God that took and provided for Job is the same God we serve. The same God that that loved Job loves you and cares for you. But of course, the material things isn't what we measure our blessings by. Philippians 4.13 uh, 4.13 tells us, I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. And it's amazing because no matter what, what aspect of life, there is a provision that God gives us. And it's through God that he gives us that strength, that he gives us the provisions, the blessings in our lives. And Job was, was a man of, of great, great wealth, but that didn't make, make him blessed. That's not what his blessings were in. He recognized the fact that his blessings were in God. His wealth was in God. All of that household, all of those things that he had were, were circumstantial. It didn't matter. When we look to verse 5, we see God's working in him. It tells us, And it was so, when the days of their feasting were gone about, that Job sent and sanctified them, and rose up early in the morning, and offered burnt offerings according to the number of them all. For Job said, It may be my sons have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. Thus did Job continually. God not only, God not only had a, a, a great description of Job, God not only gave him great blessings, but God was working through Job. Again, Job was a pioneer of his time in a sense. There was no scripture for him to go to and to lean on. He found that strength in God. This was a man that had, uh, on all honesty, he probably had one of the best relationships, one of the strongest relationships we could have ever seen at that time. And it kind of leads me to, uh, kind of leads you to believe that maybe Job had had passed away before Noah in uh, the the flood came. But no doubt, God was working in and through Job. Philippians two thirteen, I actually really love this verse. For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. It's a really deep verse. You kind of you kind of read it and you, you you don't think too much about it. But when you actually kind of digest that verse, you really think about it, you meditate upon it, for it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. I know a lot of people that, and especially when I was in Bible college, there's there's a lot of my buddies and whatnot. They would they they always trying to kind of get you excited to serve the Lord, and 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 they kind of had this mindset of it's my responsibility to to get people to serve God. Well, no, it wasn't your responsibility. It, it might be a challenge. It might be something you desire to see people do, but it's not you that wills them to serve God. It's God. And the funny thing is, is I, it's only after I spend time with the Lord is when I truly and purely want to serve him. And it's not me. It's not me, man, I need a desire to serve God more. It's not something I muster. 
I have to recognize and we have to recognize that it is God that works in my heart. Lord, I'm having a hard time. Uh, that desire to, to serve you has been kind of weak. Can you, can you help me? Can you help change my heart? You have to recognize the fact that it is God that works in your heart, not only to do his good pleasure. And that, that kind of makes sense. That's something we would naturally assume. But a lot of times we like to take a little bit of credit when we can, can't we? And I, I work in the trades and everything. I, I like to stand back and look at changing a, a system. Actually, this this past Friday, I was able to do something I haven't been able to do before, and that's change out a condenser, one of these outside units, completely. I'm usually changing parts on it, big and small, but it was the first time I've actually been able to just rip an old one. It was on the beach and four years old and already falling apart. Ripped out one of those, uh, that condenser out, put it in a new one, ran it, ran great, and it's like, yeah, I've, that's great. I, I did a great job. Job was that kind of man that he recognized that it was God that put that desire in him to serve God. And it was also God that worked in his heart to serve him, like to actually do it, to gain the strength to be able to do that. We have to recognize that with God. We can't take that credit because it is God that worketh in us to will and to do of his good pleasure. Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are his workmanship. That's, that's encouraging right there, too. And I can't help but think, as uh, kind of like in the sense of me um, uh, replacing this condenser, and when I stand back, take a look at it, and it's all running perfect, it's on the beach, and the people finally have cool air for the first time in two months, and I'm just like, yeah, and then you get that sense of pride and whatnot, and I've got to be careful about that. But I kind of wonder what happens when God sees you do what he wants you to do and accomplish something great. I kind of wonder what God, God thinks at that point. He's like... Yeah, that one's mine. Yeah, yeah, that, that's, that's one. That's, that's my workmanship right there. That's got my, my stamp of approval. I go around working and I see these Donovan stickers everywhere. All these AC companies love to slap their stickers everywhere. They want to make sure they know, yeah, this, this piece of AC equipment, is, that's, my, my, that's my piece of equipment I, I work on. That's mine. And God want, he, he wants to slap he wants to slap that sticker on us. I'm working on this one. That's my workmanship right there. And we are created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. But of course, there is a choice that we have to make in that. We have to choose to serve him. I can tell you sometimes when I'm working on these systems and AC units that are up in an attic, it looks ugly. And I'm kind of like, oh, man, I don't want to put one of our stickers on that. There's no help in a system that looks that ugly. It's all rusted and just slimy. You, you don't want to put your sticker on it. I kind of wonder, well, what, what is it like with God? He's like, that's one of mine. Mm, not doing so hot right now. We are his workmanship. But it's not his failure in our lives. It's our failure to, to submit ourselves to him. We have to allow him to work in us. So we see the character of the God of, of Job, of man. But we also see the fact that Job had a choice to make. And that was to respond positively or to react negatively. But the interesting thing is, 
and and all of us here, I'm, I'm very sure that we all understand the story of Job. We can we can spend the whole evening just reading the the passages here. But to, to summarize what takes place is um, after Job comes out worshiping the Lord and, and, and no doubt making sacrifices for his children, he has uh, uh, one of his servants comes rushing up to him and gives him the news that uh, the, that all of the, the, the she-asses and, and the, uh, the yoke of oxen out in the fields were, were burned up or all the crops were gone and, and all of the camels. And it was one servant after the next. I mean, he gets the first servant. It's like, oh, wow, that's terrible news. What are we going to do? Wait, hold on. There's some more news. And this is gone too. And then, oh, what in the world? And then more. And it just kind of accumulates to this massive situation that Job has to deal with. And that last servant comes up. He had nothing left but his family. And that last servant comes rushing up to give him the news that the house fell upon his children. All gone in a a single moment. I mean, the, the story of what takes place in Job as, as the devil tries to, to, to break his will, to break his service to God, what the devil does to him is absolutely um, amazing, not in a good thing. But what is even more amazing is how Job reacts to all of this misfortune that takes place in a a short period of time. Then Job arose, this is verse 20, Then Job arose and rent his mantle and shaved his head and fell down upon the ground and worshipped. He worshipped. It kind of reminds me of of Matthew and Luke and... um, there's actually a, a, a passage that we find. It's only in Matthew and Luke. In Matthew, it's chapter 25, 13 to 30. And, and honestly, it's, it, it's kind of, um, I don't know why the Lord kind of brought this to mind when I was thinking about Job. And it comes about the, the subject of how we respond. But Job, he responded by accepting what was given to him. He accepted the reality of the situation. He accepted it and worshiped God. And the funny thing is, is I I don't know why the Lord kind of brought this to mind, but Matthew chapter 25, verse 13 to 30, and we're not going to read the whole passage. um, But when you read this passage, that chapter, you actually get to see the story of the three servants and the talents. This is actually a passage that the Lord really really gotten uh, caught my eye and, and and really called me to ministry itself was this aspect of of what god has given you the funny thing is is we have the two servants that are given um a, a certain amount of talents and they respond positively they try to do something good with what they're given but we see that one servant that's given that single talent and he, in, in a sense, he curses God. He says, you are unfaithful and an evil master, and I hid it to protect it. But 
The funny thing is, is if I was to apply Job to that situation, I guarantee you Job would have been one of those servants that would have taken what God had given him and turned it for good, had made something profitable with it. And it just makes me think that whenever we are given uh, circumstances, whether they be good or bad, we need to always make sure that uh, we're responding in a positive light. And to do that, we have to accept what was given to us. We have to simply accept it. Don't get distracted by what this person's been given or what I haven't been given. You still have the same God that that person has. Job, in verse 21 of chapter 1, says, and said, he, now, of course, uh, he worshipped, and verse 21 says, and said, naked came I out of my mother's womb, and naked shall I return thither. The Lord gave, and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Good grief. The Lord gave, and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. If you want to respond, if, if you're really wanting to be the type that responds positively, you have to accept what was given to you. And no matter what it is, you need to praise him for it. I guarantee you, Job praised God for when the Lord gave him all those camels like he did when the Lord took it away. And it makes me think of a few other people in the Bible. Abraham. Abraham was a man that would praise God before God ever fulfilled his promises. And it was interesting because you see Abraham be a man of faith because he took God to the bank. God, or he took God to bank. I mean, he, he really trusted God and his promises. He believed it. He believed those promises so much that before God even delivered that seed, that great nation to him, Abraham was as found multiple times. Thank you, God, for delivering that. Thank you for giving me a great nation. Joseph, Joseph, good night. You can't get him to stop praising God. Joseph praised God while he was a slave and a prisoner. And while everyone turned their backs on him or betrayed him, Joseph is found praising God no matter what. Daniel and the three Hebrew children praised God in the face of impending doom. They praised God no matter what. And even all the way to the, the New Testament, Paul and Silas praised, worshipped, and sang to God while shackled and imprisoned. I want to be, account I want to be counted among those. Not because I, I should be counted as anything special, but I want to have that type of joy that Job had. I want to have that type of, of fortitude that Paul had. To be able to have anything that's thrown at me and to, and to, to have that response of, of praise to God. But as much as, as Job praised you have to recognize that he did not blame God. He didn't. 
Verse 22 is very simple, uh, very short. It says, in all this, Job sinned not, nor charged God foolishly. Job did not charge God foolishly, nor did he sin. He did not, he did not uh, mourn his loss. He did not uh, uh, say the, that, that statement about God giving and God taking out of uh, sarcasm. He said that because he believed it. I know even this morning we, we looked at Gideon and Gideon had a problem of blaming God. He blamed God for the Midianites when it was their own fault that they were in the mess that they were. In fact, Proverbs, thir- uh, Proverbs 19.3 tells us, The foolishness of man perverteth his way, and his heart fretteth against the Lord. The foolishness of man perverteth his way, and his heart fretteth against the Lord. It really does show someone's character and heart when they blame God for, for what, what's been dealt to them. Is God still good if you don't have what you, you want? God is still good. And he still has great things planned for us, even if we don't get what it is that we, we in a sense, want. It's not about what, what we want, but glorifying him. Romans 9.20 says, Nay, but, O man, who art thou that repellest uh, against, against God? Shall the thing formed say to him that formed it, Why hast thou made me thus? Paul kind of hits it on the head. How silly is it for a piece of pottery to ask the potter, Why did you make me like this? Why did you make me this shade of, of red? Why did you make me this way? I'm, I'm too tall. I'm too short. I'm too this. I'm too that. How silly it is for us to think, a finite being, tell God, how dare you make me the way you have? And, and in fact, it's, it's amazing because of our, our society today. We, we have all, and I, I made a reference to it this morning, all these, these kids that are coming up in, in public school right now. There's, I think it's something around like 20% of the kids now are part of this LGBTQ plus stuff. They're, 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 they're going in the way of foolishness. They're the, the, the creation telling the creator, how dare you create me a man when I obviously should be a woman or something else. It's, it's foolishness. Sadly, it is. I, I, I don't want to be disparaging or, or, um, or sound like I'm, 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 I'm talking down to, to anyone but how, how sad is it that we can't simply accept who we are? God has, has formed us and made us, and we are wonderfully made. But there's also a faithful working. Even the best of us, even the best of us will make mistakes. Job was described so positively in the first chapter but of course, in chapter 2, after we have Job's friends sit down with him and mourn with him, we, we see things take an interesting turn. 
Job chapter 3 and verse 1 to 3 says, After this opened Job his mouth and cursed his day. And Job spake and said, Let the day perish wherein I was born and the night in which it was said, There is a man-child conceived. Totally different than when he was saying, The Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Something changed right there. He went from praising God to cursing the day he was born. And yes, he was mourning in the first chapter and in the second chapter, but that difference and what makes the change is when his friends came. And it leads us to this conversation of what we surround ourselves matter. What we surround ourselves, what we surround ourselves with matters. Verse 9 to 13 tells us this, Let the stars of the twilight thereof be dark. Let it look for light, but have none. Neither let it be the dawn of the day, because it shut not up the doors of my mother's womb, nor hid sorrow from mine eyes. Why died I not from the womb? Why did I not give up the ghost when I came out of the belly? Why did the knees prevent me, or why the breast that I should suck? For now should I have lain still and been quiet, I should have slept then, uh, then had I been at rest. What we surround ourselves, that attitude, matters so much. Because yes, he was mourning in the first and second chapter, but it was his friends that made a difference in, in uh, his, his uh, perspective. 1 Corinthians 15 verse 33 tells us, Be not deceived, evil communications corrupt good manners. Proverbs 13 20 says, He that walketh with wise men shall be wise, but a companion of fools shall be destroyed. Psalms 1 1 says, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. Proverbs 23 7, For as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. Drink, uh, eat and drink, saith he thee, but his heart is not with thee. Job went from mourning and praising God, from mourning and pitying himself. And that's what, what changed. But of course, God was patient and he was silent for an extended period of time. And when we go to read um, at the end of, of Job, we find that Job kind of finally uh, puts the blame completely on God and, and, and asks why he would be created and whatnot and continues that, that uh, rhetoric and whatnot. And, and God silences him. But God is patient. He is patient with us. Second Peter 3.9 says, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. No matter what, at the end of the day, God will be found faithful and patient with us. I can't make any promises that all of us will be making the the. Uh, right decisions every day of our lives. None of us can make that promise. 
there's going to be times where we'll respond appropriately like Job. Where we'll praise and worship the Lord. Even when dealt a terrible hand. Because God is still on his throne. Romans eight thirty eight and 39. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Don't, don't forget that. I kind of wish that Job had one of those friends that would come out, mourn with him, and whisper that, eight, that Roman, uh, Romans 8, 38 and 39 to him. I think things would have worked out a lot different for Job. Be careful what you surround yourselves with, but always respond positively. Don't blame God and praise him. Paul and Silas were were a great example of that. I want to read one last passage and we'll we'll end on this. 1 Thessalonians 5.19-24 tells us this. Quench not the spirit, despise not prophesyings. Prove all things, hold fast that which is good. Abstain from all appearance of evil, and the very uh, God of peace sanctify you wholly. And I pray, God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Faithful is he that calleth you, who also will do it. If there was a New Testament passage that would describe Job before his friends showed up to describe what Job was like, it would be this passage right here. This is, this is what Job was like before he made the mistake to, of, of starting to pity himself. But I, ch- I challenge you to hold fast to that, that character that Job had, to praise him, to give him honor, to give him glory, even, even when things don't work out the way that you feel they should. Because at the end, faithful is he that calleth you, who will also who also will do it let's pray lord i just thank you for what you've done for us